with us, that you chase after us. And God, I'm grateful that in our weakness, we get to enjoy your strength. Today, I'm tired, I'm sore, and God, I need your strength. But people don't need to hear from me, they need to hear from you. And I pray that this morning that you will remind us of how good you are, how great you are, and then we'll walk away impressed all over again with the loving God name of Jesus. And I pray this like I believe you would pray. Amen. So, hopefully I won't burn the uh, building down here, but what does this make you think of? What does that make you think of? Birthday. Birthday? What else? Power outage. Uh, anything else? Campfires. Campfires, that's what it makes me think of. I love having campfires down in Tennessee. Always have campfires. Um, I noticed nobody said the Holy Spirit, right? When you see a flame, you don't immediately think of the Holy Spirit. And yet, when the, the Holy Spirit comes onto the scene in the early church in Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, it says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, we started a new series called, Why Am I a Christian? Why would anybody be a student of the way Jesus lived in love? Wouldn't it be a lot easier if you just had brunch on Sunday morning instead of going to church? Wouldn't it be a lot easier if you just lived however you wanted to live and you didn't worry about what some folks said? Why would anyone be a Christian? And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about some of the reasons that I'm a Christian, some of the reasons that I think you should be a Christian, some of the reasons I think we can share with our friends about why they should become students of the way that Jesus lived and loved. Now today we're continuing that series by talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm a disciple of Jesus' way of life because the Holy Spirit intervened in my story. He invaded the plot line of my life. He interrupted my plans. He changed the course of my destiny. And the Spirit's at work in your life, too. The Spirit's, uh, those who are watching online, those who are here, the Holy Spirit is working. Now, it's no random accident that you're here today. It's no random accident that you're watching this online or you're listening to this podcast. It's not a random accident that you've met me. The Spirit is orchestrating meetings and moments so that you can encounter Jesus. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit did in my life. In my family's life, my dad was an atheist. He was going to college at Penn State. And uh, he had graduated. He wasn't having very much success dating. And he said, I don't believe there's a God, but what's he going to hurt to pray? And he said, God, I'd really like a wife, and I'd really like her to be beautiful. And uh, his best friend at the time said, hey, I'm dating this girl, and she has a sister. Why don't you double date with us? That sister was my mother. And he's like, this girl is gorgeous. And so they got married. They had a baby son named Alex. That's me. They had my sister. And then my dad says, I hate this cold, it's snowy, it's terrible, I'm going to move down to Tennessee because there's good fishing and it doesn't snow. That's all I want out of life. 
And so he moves us down there, and my mom ends up saying, you know what, my kids need friends. And they have a weird last name now, like Hanovich. They're never gonna make friends down here in the South where everybody's last name is Smith or Jackson. And so I'm gonna take them down here to this little brick church at the end of the street. And for the first time, she hears the message of Jesus. And the Spirit orchestrated not only her coming to a church, but coming to a church where they were talking about Jesus, talking about how the guilt and the pain from her past would be forgiven and changed. And all of a sudden, my mother puts her faith and trust in Jesus. And pretty soon I start asking questions about my faith and trust in Jesus. And my sister puts her faith and trust in Jesus. And then my dad, and we begin praying for him. And he eventually puts his faith and trust in Jesus. The Spirit has been orchestrating. He's been working. He's been moving. And he's not just been moving in my life and my world, but he's been moving in your life and your world. Now, it might be weird to think about, but the Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, is at work in your mind and in the random encounters. He's surrounding you with people who will make you curious and ask questions that will make you consider the ways of Jesus. The church tradition I grew up in called this divine providence. I don't think there are happy accidents. I don't think it's just an accident that however you came across me or however you encountered the other Christians in your life, that wasn't an accident. I think these are strategic moments orchestrated by the spirit of the living God, a God who longs to know you and be known by you. He's working, he's orchestrating, he's moving. So who is the spirit? Jesus says in John 15, 26, when the advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Jesus says, you want to know what the spirit's always doing? The spirit is always talking about Jesus. The spirit is bringing up things about Jesus in your mind. He's surrounding you with people talking about Jesus and people who know Jesus. The Spirit is a master strategist, and his goal is to talk about Jesus and to get people to talk about Jesus. That's what he's all about. The Bible presents a picture of Yahweh, the Trinitarian God of love, chasing humanity, not to punish them, but to embrace them. God is chasing them. The Spirit of God is proof of that. The very fact that you're listening to this or watching that or you're here is proof that the Spirit of God is chasing after you. The Spirit is winsomely inviting you to check out Jesus. Now, perhaps you feel like you spent most of your life running from God. You're like, I've tried to steer as far away from God as I can. Maybe online you're listening to this and you're like, I've never been about God. I've always tried to avoid anything about God. That doesn't deter him from his diligent quest to reunite himself with you. I love the imagery in Francis Thompson's poem, The Hound of Heaven. Does anybody know The Hound of Heaven? Let me just read a few quick uh, verses from it. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthian ways of my own mind and in the midst of tears. I hid from him under a running laughter, a vintage hopes I sped and shot precipitated, a down titanic wings of chasm fears, and those strong feet that followed, followed after, but with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy, they beat, and a voice beat, more instant than the feet. And he ends his poem like this, oh, fondest, blindest, weakest, I am he who 
thou seekest, thou chase loves thee chases. Like a dog faithfully pursuing its owner, the God of the universe has been faithfully chasing you down. I think we've got an adorable picture of a puppy. Stop running from God. He's cuter than that puppy up there. Like, you don't have to run from him. He, he, he wants to catch you, and you should let him catch you. The God of the universe has been faithfully chasing you since the moment you were born. Yahweh has been chasing you. Jesus wants you on his team. He wants you with him. He sent his spirit to pursue you and woo you and invite you into the Trinitarian community of love. Remember the Phillies back when we had baseball? We kind of have baseball again, but it's not quite the same. But remember when they recruited Bryce Harper? Everybody was like, oh, Bryce Harper, the Phillies are actually going to be good now. They're still not that good. But remember what they paid him? $330 million for a 13-year contract. They wanted Bryce Harper so badly, they were willing to pay a lot of money to get him. They paid a lot because they wanted him a lot. God wants you on his team so badly, Jesus laid down his life on the cross. The highest price he could pay. And he's been chasing after you ever since you were born. And every time someone mentions Jesus, every time you have a question or you get curious about Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, I've been chasing you. I want you to know the love of God. Now Jesus makes a bold claim about the Spirit. It says in John 16, 7-14, this is going to be our text this morning. It says, Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. I would love for Jesus to just show up. He opens the door, he walks in, and he's like, hey, I'm Jesus. I've come back. I just want to say, Horizon, I like what you're doing. Or maybe he'd come in and say, I don't like this. You need to change this. I don't care. I'd just be excited to see Jesus. But he says, it's better that I'm not there. Because he says, if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he's going to convict the world about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to my Father, you'll no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them right now. When the spirit of truth comes, this is the one he calls the counselor, or the comforter, the advocate. He will give you into, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me. Because he'll take from what is mine and declare it to you. Now think about this for a minute. I wrestle with this sometimes. Jesus says it's better that he's not here to have the Holy Spirit instead. When Jesus came, he was called Emmanuel, God with us. But according to Jesus, God in us is better than God with us. Jesus identifies several things here that this Holy Spirit will be about. First of all, it says that he will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. The Greek word here in the original text is elexiai, which means to reveal. We think of convict as like, I took you to court and you were guilty of murder. You're convicted. And the word used here is a little bit differently. Some of your translations translate it convict as mind dead. But it really has this idea of reveal. The truth is going to come out. What's really happening is going to be shown clearly. The Spirit reveals that our way of life is inferior to the life that Jesus offers 
us as a student of his. About sin because they do not believe me. Our way of thinking is sinful. And sin is like such a churchy word, right? It's not a word that we often think about or use in our everyday language outside of church or religion. But essentially it means the self-destructive and selfish things I do. The things that hurt others or hurt myself or hurt our planet. These are not the things that God intended for us to do. And it always ends up costing us and costing those around us here. The Spirit reveals that Jesus has justified us to God. Because of his death, we can live his life. That's the second thing it teaches in verse 10 here. The Spirit will reveal to us about righteousness. I'm going to my Father who will no longer see me. Because Jesus is at the right hand of his, of his Father, we can enjoy his connection God the Father. As his students, we can live in the community of love with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Finally, it says that the Spirit reveals um, judgment, or it reveals that the world is judged, that the ruler of this world is judged. The Spirit reveals to us, it shows to us that the throne of this world should be filled by Jesus, not filled by us. I don't make a good ruler, I make bad decisions, I make selfish if Jesus rolled and reigned on this earth, there would be no pain or death or COVID or cancer or poverty or racism. We long for Jesus to come and roll and reign and make things right. Next, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will be a guide. He will guide us towards all truth. Think about this for a moment. Every one of us here, every one of us watching or listening is on a spiritual journey. You might say, hey, I want nothing to do with Christianity, but we're all on a spiritual journey. We're all looking for questions about where did I come from? Where am I going? Why am I here? There's nobody on this planet who aren't asking those questions, and those questions are spiritual. I think everything in your life is spiritual. You have a guide on your spiritual journey, whether you notice it or not, whether you realize it or not, the Holy Spirit is on your spiritual journey with you as a guide, guiding you to all truth. We're all spiritual pilgrims, but we have a guide in the wilderness of doubt and searching. The spirit of the living God is trying to lead you to Jesus and point to Jesus and convince you that Jesus is the answer to your deepest, most pressing questions. I started reading a little bit about Mount Everest and the people who climbed Mount Everest and there's thousands of people who have died on Mount Everest and they just leave their bodies on Mount Everest. And they said sometimes when you hike up Mount Everest, you literally walk by the frozen corpse of someone who died on Mount Everest when you're going up because they can't retrieve the bodies. It's too hard. And so, you know, I was reading these quotes from people who went up Mount Everest and they were talking about the crazy conditions and the hard things to overcome. Many times there's these deep cracks in the mountain um, sometimes they are 10 stories or more deep and then snow will fall and freeze over it so you have a thin layer of snow and you'll step on it and you'll just fall a couple stories and there's no way out you're just left there um, there's also terrible weather that comes up a few years ago there was a big group that was killed um, even though they were experienced climbers a storm came out of nowhere and it was so um, blinding and disorienting, they ended up walking off a cliff. 
There's rocks that often fall as the ice pushes out rocks out of the mountain. Many people are struck by rocks that fall off the mountain. Sometimes one of the biggest things they said was other climbers on the journey to Mount Everest summit, um, sometimes they'll get disoriented and they'll actually fall or they'll push you or the other people around you actually can sometimes be the most dangerous. And they said one of the most dangerous things was around 8,000 feet up, the, the air is so thin that you begin not thinking clearly and not thinking rationally and you begin to make mistakes and you begin to do things and say things that you would never do otherwise. And so I was reading all this and I was reading about the people who had survived and the people who had account, uh, were recounting great losses and everyone agreed this, if you have a trained guide, the journey is dangerous, but doable. If you have a trained guide, there were these Sherpas, these um, local people who had been up and down the mountains their entire life, and they could bring you safely up and safely down. They still said it was exhausting and grueling, it was costly, it took everything out of you, but they said it's doable if you have a good guide. The spiritual journey that you're on, that I'm on, Sometimes it seems overwhelming and there seems to be dangers and there seems to be pitfalls everywhere, but we're not on that journey alone. The Holy Spirit is at work trying to guide you to Jesus. You're not alone on your spiritual journey. You have a God. Finally, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will glorify him. The Holy Spirit is always elevating the name of Jesus. By drawing people to Jesus, and making people explore who Jesus is, the Spirit seeks to spark curiosity about Jesus. You know what I found is interesting? There's a lot of young people, as I talk to millennials and Gen Z, who are like, church is boring. I'm sick of church, I hate what it's about, I hate religion, but I'm really fascinated by Jesus. What is this cultural fascination we have with Jesus? Even people who say, I'm not religious, I'm not interested, Christianity, there's this fascination about Jesus, and I believe that's a evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in our world saying, Jesus is fascinating. Check him out. Jesus is the answer. Go and ask your deep questions, and you'll find that he answers all of them. So, I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple. I'm a student of the ways of Jesus Christ because the Spirit of God was at work in my life. Now, he didn't force me to become a Christian. The Spirit didn't, like, grab me, you know, by my spiritual collar, hold me up against the wall and say, you better believe in Jesus. But he helped me navigate the doubts and the questions I had. He led me to encounter the right people so that I could ask the right questions at the right time. He put me in the right places that would propel me towards Jesus. Now, maybe you think, that's impossible. I will never be a student of the way Jesus lived and loved. I used to think that about my dad when I was a kid. Like he didn't want anything to do with church or Jesus. Now he's a follower of Jesus for years and years. Maybe you think my spouse will never be a follower of Jesus or my friend never will be a follower of Jesus. You think this person will never become a follower of Jesus. You underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is at work, and you don't always see what He's doing or how He's working, but He is not limited in scope or power. Romans 8, 11, the Apostle Paul says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, all bets are off. Think about that. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. 
And so we can't say, oh, that's impossible. The Holy Spirit will never do that. That's impossible. That'll never happen. Because once Jesus was raised from the dead, all the bets are off. The impossible is now possible. If the dead are coming back to life, that means the skeptic can believe. The destructive can change direction in their life. Anything is possible when the Holy Spirit gets involved. So don't give up hope. If you think there's somebody you like, man, they're never going to change. They're never going to become a student of Jesus. That person will never, ever doubt the Holy Spirit. If you're like me, you long for your friends and co-workers and neighbors and family members to become students of Jesus Christ. I'm convinced the world would be a better place if people lived and loved like Jesus, if they became students of the way that he lived. But I worry sometimes, as I talk to people far away from God and don't have a relationship with Jesus, I worry, what if I say the wrong thing, right? Like, what if I try talking to this person about Jesus, but I end up pushing them farther away, or I say the wrong thing and I confuse them, or I say the wrong thing and I lose the friendship, or I say the wrong thing and I lose my job. The good news is, the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. We have to show up, and we have to love people, and we have to be obedient to speak about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit does the hard work. We get the easy work of befriending and loving people and talking about what Jesus is doing in our lives. And the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting inside the hearts and minds and lives of the people around us. As a student of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is inside me, empowering me to live and love like he did. And he's inviting me to become a co-laborer, talking about Jesus and encouraging people to encounter Jesus just like he does all the time. What did we say the Holy Spirit's mission was? He talks about Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you as a student of Jesus Christ, he not only empowers you to look like Jesus, he encourages you to talk about Jesus all the time just like I love the verses in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 20. God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, reconciled to God. Like, why did he use the word reconciled so many times? And many times in our modern work, we use the word reconciled like there was a mistake in this ledger, in this money ledger, and so we had to reconcile it and figure it out. But what he's saying is the world, there's so many people in the world who are far away from God, they don't have a relationship with him. And the spirit of God's mission has been bringing people far away from God back into close relationship with God. And now he's given us that same job. He said, you get to be about making things that are far away from God, bringing them close to God, reuniting God, bringing them back, telling them to stop running from the adorable little puppy, but to turn and catch him in their arms. So what do we do with this? How do we walk away from this? What steps do we take? What actions do we take? Now, maybe it's time for you to be baptized to publicly side with Jesus. Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, he said, hey, go everywhere, make disciples, students of the way that I lived and loved, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded and taught. And he says, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2.38, 
the early church said, hey, believe, repent, and be baptized to receive the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need to look at um, in your life where the Spirit has acted. Have you ever gone back and traced the work of the Spirit in your life? I described just shortly how the Spirit of God worked in my life to answer the prayer of my father so that he met my mother. Then he worked in my mother's life so that she went to a church and heard about Jesus, which ended up working in my life, my sister's life, and then my father's life. Have you ever traced the hand of the Spirit and how he's acted strategically in your life? God's at work in your life. Think about it. Well on it. Uh, many times I stop and I just say, Thank you for intervening in my story. Thank you for invading the plot line of my story. Thanks for redirecting my life, my family's life. And finally, I think we should speak up. The Spirit does the heavy lifting. Nothing is impossible when the Spirit of God is involved. But we have the responsibility to love people and never stop talking about Jesus. Just talk about what Jesus has done in your life, and it'll make people curious, and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. When people start asking questions about your Christianity, or they start asking questions to you about Jesus, that means the Holy Spirit is at work in their hearts and minds and lives. That means he's doing something on the inside that you can't see, and you get to play a small part of reconciling things far away from God, people far away from God with himself. So I want us to end this morning with just a short moment and just pray to the Holy Spirit. I want to read this paraphrase of Romans 8, 26 and 28. It says this, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our desperate condition, and he keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good because the Holy Spirit is in us and for us as students of Jesus. Let's just pray for just a minute. I just want us to be quiet and just thank the Holy Spirit for how he's interrupted our lives and made in our lives. Scriptures say that we are the temple that you live in, empowering us to live and love like Jesus, to become like him. So often we think, if we had more money, we could do this. If we had more people, we could do this. Or if we had X, we could do this. All we need is the Holy Spirit, and we have you. We're so grateful that you've allowed us to partner with you to be your co-worker, talking about Jesus in this world, raising curiosity about Jesus in this world, pointing people to Jesus in this world. We're, we're not good partners. So often we fail and we falter, we don't know what to say, but I'm so grateful that you're so good. You can pick up our broken pieces and you can still use them in the hearts and minds of the people all around us. Holy Spirit, empower us to love like Jesus. 
empower us to live like you live. Let us know that you are with us and for us, and that with you nothing is impossible.